results. Uh, today, our main topic is about tokenomics. So hopefully after the session, they are going to bring you a lot of insights and experiences that they work with uh, NFT projects, token projects to share with you how you can develop your own tokenomics and what are the mistakes to avoid, what are the best practices, and maybe even some case studies. So first, let me hand it over to you guys. Uh, please introduce yourself, uh, what you do, and where you're located right now. Yeah, thank you so much, Yassi. Thank you for having us. Um, I'm Alexandros, born and raised in Vienna. I've got a mechanical engineering background. Got into the blockchain industry around nine years ago and haven't really gotten out of it since. Um, currently based in Switzerland and Zurich, where also our company Block Consult is headquartered. Um, yeah, thank you uh, also to you, Yassi, for having us today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on here and uh, sharing uh, some insights. Um, my name is Max. Um, I've been in the blockchain space now for over four years. I have a finance background and um, Alexandros and I have been consulting Web3 projects now for over three years. And I'm currently based in Lisbon, in Portugal. And um, to what we do, um, we uh, have owned Block Consult uh, together, um, which is a blockchain consulting company based in Zug. Um, and if we were to break it down, we have two main business pillars. Uh, the one is uh, Web 2 to Web 3. So that means helping traditional businesses onboard onto the blockchain. Uh, here we offer educational seminars to uh, bring customers up to speed. Uh, what is blockchain all about? and what kind of uh, uh, opportunities does it bring. Um, and then we uh, ideate with our customers. So we see what fits their current business model and customer base. And then we also have a wide range of development partners who can assist in execution. Um, the other uh, main business pillar is Web3 native consultation. So uh, here we work mainly with early stage projects where we help with refining the business model, uh, creating the proper documentation. So white paper, pitch deck, tokenomics deck, if it's a token project. Uh, and we also work with a later stage, more advanced projects, which need assistance just in specific areas. So uh, maybe an NFT project, which needs help with the roadmap or um, a token project, which just need help uh, with a, a specific tokenomics aspect. So that's what we do. All right. Thank you so much for the explanation. And maybe start with the very first and basic question. Uh, how do you describe exactly is tokenomics? Sure, uh, I can answer that. Uh, well, tokenomics uh, stems from the word token and economics. Um, and uh, maybe it would make sense to explain it uh, in, a, in a simple way. So in the traditional economy, the rules are set by governments and central banks. Whereas uh, in the crypto economy, the rules are set by code. So uh, if we refer that back to tokenomics, um, this refers to simply the design of the token. So how will it be used? How will it be distributed? And also how do different stakeholders interact with the token? Uh, so if we were, for example, to take a, a simple example, um, let's say a hypothetical game where you can trade apples with one another, which are different colors. So from a tokenomics perspective, you would have to think about how can the user uh, um, acquire these apples in the first place? Are they free? Does he have to pay for them? How many green apples can be traded for a red apple, for example? Uh, are there limits to how many apples can be traded per day or limits to how many apples can be traded per user? 
And uh, is there a limited amount of each apple or is, can the supply be decreased and increased um, as, the, as the developer sees fit? So these are just some of the considerations. And um, this would be kind of an overview of uh, what tokenomics is all about. And Alexandros can go in a little bit uh, more detail. Sure. Um, so, so what steps does a project really need to consider when designing their tokenomics? There's three main aspects to consider um, when designing them, which have also been outlined pretty well in a research paper by Lemniscap, I think. Um, these are market design, mechanism design, and token design. You can approach this by basically answering a set of questions prior to beginning the process. So for market design, you want to figure out what utility you give the in-game assets and in-game currency. Is it just vanity, such as skins and designs? Can you do something with these items? Is there a benefit in owning them? You then want to look at how do you create value? So do these assets give you an advantage over those who don't own them? Are there different rarities? Um, how does the in-game currency, if you have one, get used? Uh, what are the different things you can purchase with it? You'll really have to create a market around all the items within, the, within these play-to-earn games. The second aspect we get to is the general mechanism design. Firstly, you'll want to figure out the project's business model. So there are a few different designs that can be chosen from, and these include pay-to-play, free-to-play, pay-to-win, and it all really depends on what game it is that you're designing and the user base that you're aiming for. You'll also need to consider the different revenue streams within the game. So for both the company or protocol building it and the community participating. So is it a direct revenue? Do you have a rental system in place? Can outsiders without assets participate? For example, scholars. Do you constantly sell new in-game assets? Every choice has its pros and cons that really depend on the general idea behind the game. You'll want to consider the governance system in place. So obviously like for in, in play to earn games, to keep a user base, you'll constantly need to evolve and develop the game. Um, this is something that you'll need to be working on throughout the entire existence of it. So that brings the question of how you take these decisions. Do you allow, who do you allow to dictate the development of this game? Do you include the players, the asset owners? Is there a board which decides on these changes? And who gets to choose who is in this board? Regardless of who you allow to dictate these changes occurring within the game, it's always important to listen to the community and look at all the empirical data to implement the necessary changes. The third aspect, and probably also the most important, is the token design. So what is the monetary policy behind all these in-game assets and currencies? How do you generate the tokens? At what frequency? Is there a burning of these assets? So the removal of them. You basically want to figure out if it's an inflationary, deflationary, or constant token model. At Block Consult, the way we approach this with our clients is a five-step process. So we first hold a discovery session where we identify the business model and the unique features of the game and the demand for the in-game tokens. We then begin the design process where we choose a governance structure 
and a mathematical token model. We then use all the data we have to test the model mathematically and highlight the areas needing improvement. Um, we then convert the business model and technical architecture into a flow process from which the smart contracts are written and deployed by the developers. And finally, and the most important one of them all is evolving what you have according to the available data of your initial, of your initial design. So you'll only really get to see if what you built works during user testing, and we'll have to use all that available information to make the required changes. And that's how tokenomics are approached within our company. Right. It sounds very comprehensive because oftentimes when I chatted with some projects and when I saw the white paper and there's a section called tokenomics, at the section that you see uh, how many percent of the token allocated to where and how many percent of them allocated to where, and that's the section of tokenomics. But from the way how you guys explained that, actually, that actually is not, not tokenomics, right? It's just how they allocate token. But behind it, there was to consider and to see if everything works well together at economics level, uh, which I really like what you guys are doing to build different models and scenarios. Do you have like examples you can um, share with our audience, like exactly how it works or different kinds of scenario, uh, the tokenomics would work, would not work in, to, to in line with the business model? Sure. So I'll stick to play to earn games, which is, was something we've been working on recently quite a bit. And um, so, like I said, there's the most important step in designing a token-based game is the ability to adapt, right? So in my opinion, there's no real example of a perfect tokenomics design, but rather a good approach into maintaining it is adaptability. So adapting the tokenomics to the conditions the game is in. I'd say a good example of this is Avigochi, which is a rather complex game, which runs on the Polygon network and was created around staking these Ave-backed tokens to bring these cute little ghosts to life, which will remind you a bit of Tamagotchis of 20 years ago. The game started off with a single in-game currency called Ghost. Um, this Ghost is designed using a bonding curve, giving it a dynamic supply. So its supply increases with high demand and decreases when the demand is low. This has proven to give it a rather stable value since inception. And um, that's obviously important in a game where all the assets are pegged to the native currency. So stability of its value is extremely important to avoid any unnecessary asset value fluctuations. Um, as this game progressed, they slowly added complexity, introduced a total of six more tokens, I believe, which are now being used to construct within this game's metaverse. And um, the emissions of these tokens are constantly being monitored and adapted accordingly with the community's approval. I like this approach because you involve the players and stakeholders while collectively working towards a more sustainable and stable in-game economy that is built to last. And that's in the end goal for every tokenomics model. Okay. Um, when, before you mentioned that you have a, you build a model in terms of, um, elaborate a little bit more on that, like how, for example, how a project team can, can build different scenarios and test it out if the tokenomics works. 
Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, um, that it really depends on. Well, now talking about uh, play to earn games, it really depends on the on the project itself. Um, so we would uh, highlight all the different stakeholders and uh, test how you want uh, how you or determine how you want uh, that the the different stakeholders interact with one another and also the in-game assets and tokens. And then you would uh, you would um, create different uh, stress scenarios. So what happens if uh, if for example um, a whale were to were were to dump a lot of assets? How would that have an effect on the ecosystem? And you would create different scenarios, which we've seen in past uh, P2E games, uh, to try to test if the uh, if if the system and the tokenomics model is viable and uh, would also would also be sustainable in extreme scenarios. Oh, okay. In a way that like, it really has to be well thought through or work with companies like you guys have more experience to make sure that in all the scenarios that are well thought about. But if, because if in any case something happened, it might crash the game or it might, I don't know, destroy the market and then the, the whole thing will not work, right? Yeah. Um... Absolutely. I mean, um, when it comes to when it comes to mistakes, kind of like a, a lot of projects do. Um, I would say when, it, especially when it comes to play to earn games, um, the the projects place too little focus on the gameplay itself. And um, so what happens is that a lot of projects, it's the main value proposition is uh, the earning part. And what happens then if uh, the earn the earning part decreases, um, players simply switch to the next play to earn game, and um, the player base decreases rapidly. So what we really emphasize with our clients is to put an emphasis on the playability and the fun of the game. So the the, the aim should really to to create a fun game where players play because they enjoy the game. And then you can add the earn aspect as an added incentive, which creates a lot more sustainability. Right. Mm. I have another question, which is very based maybe on behalf of uh, the audience who are thinking about starting a play to earn game or have an NFT project, want to incorporate this play to earn mechanism into the whole project. That when you create a play to earn game, an NFT project, the earnings, right? The additional earnings, the tokens, where is it coming from? Because, I mean, it cannot be unlimited, right? Or if it's unlimited, what is the value? Like, how do you guys, in this scenario, how do you guys design it? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what, um, that's what generally the, the problem, uh, the economic sustainability problem of most play to earn games uh, is, is that, um, you really can only earn on cash out money uh, by new players joining the joining joining the game. So you're basically uh, so you're so basically players which have been there longer cash out for money which is put in by uh, players which just came in. So, um, however, if you put uh, if you put more a more sustainable uh, approach to this, um, then you then once the earning aspect decreases the player count doesn't decrease totally and to the question of where the money comes from well generally it is generated a by the by the amount raised so generally in play to earn games you have one proportion uh, which is uh, which is allocated 
to uh, airdrops and um, and uh, and rewards, in-game rewards, and then generally also uh, the uh, the 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 revenue which the which the project generates a proportion of that. So in-game sales. Uh, when in-game sales happen, the project normally takes a percentage of that. So then they can allocate that again to player rewards. Oh, sorry. If I can add something to that. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it's really important to create a good balance between all the different types of stakeholders. So you're going to have players, you're going to have collectors, you're going to have the investors, and you really want to create a good balance so that it's not just players taking money out of the system, but it's also people interested in the actual maybe there's art backed by all these different nfts that are actually interested in collecting them and when you have this balance right you can try and build a rather more sustainable model right yeah and we have a question from the audience uh, do you know creeps if so it's asking what did they do wrong <laughs> um Sure. Yeah, I can. I can go ahead and and and, and maybe talk about that. So yeah. So we, we do know creeps. Um, creeps. I actually think that uh, that uh, that promote and scale also did an episode on that, uh, talking about the marketing campaign. And creeps was a a, a NFT project um, a little bit uh, towards the end of the bull run, and actually they had a great marketing. Uh, they had really impressive art and one of the strongest communities actually we've seen in the NFT space. And um, however, uh, their project started out really, really well. They launched, uh, they launched their, uh, their uh, PFP project and uh, they then introduced a feature which was called stake to earn. So you could stake the NFTs to earn um, in-game tokens. So those I think were called Lumi. And the project actually took off really well. Uh, we saw increased volume, uh, good, strong community. However, where in our opinion it then went wrong was that they sacrificed long-term sustainability for short-term profits. Uh, more, more specifically, uh, as this whole earn to stake started, uh, they then decided to launch an additional loot box. I think, yeah, uh, if I remember correctly, um, and it was something along the lines of you could buy this loot box, which was, I think, around one ETH, and you could instantly have access to a large amount of Lumi tokens. I think it was something along the lines of 10,000. Um, and obviously, these Lumi, uh, these, uh, these tool, uh, loot boxes sold out instantly and created great revenue for the project. However, it created a massive supply shock uh, to, the, uh, to the Lumi marketplace. And pretty much overnight, the Lumi token crashed completely. Uh, people started panicking and a downward spiral kind of ensued. And uh, the, uh, not only did the Lumi token crash, but also the, the uh, Creeps uh, project went from, I think, like 9 ETH um, down to 3, three ETH, something like this, also in the matter of a few hours. And since then, the project... Uh, really struggled to uh to to um, to recover from that um i mean they're not lost completely but uh, that just shows how how quickly with a wrong tokenomics approach or if you change something small a project can really take a big hit yeah yeah 
Thanks. That's, that's a very well explained um, answer. And from your experience working with different projects, uh, what, what are the most common struggles or common mistakes um, mm -hmm. projects are making or facing? Um, sure. Well, uh, like I said, the, the, the first one, which I, made, which I touched on before, is putting a focus on the fun of the game and, and, and creating a, a nice gameplay where people want to, would theoretically also come without the earn aspect. Uh, if you don't have that and the whole game is just based on the earn aspect, well then, um, like I said before, as soon as the earning part decreases, all the players will just jump to the next, uh, will just jump to the next game. Um, another big, another big issue is that, um, the revenue stream of the game is not well designed. So what I mean by that is that the revenue stream is not diversified enough so that the revenue no comes just from one or two revenue streams and that the revenue stream is based on the underlying ecosystem token. And if the token is not designed properly, um, then uh, this can create extreme volatility, which is obviously uh, not good for the project. Um, I can go into one example, for example, uh, one example, which is um, Creep, uh, not Creeps, but um, um, Axie, uh, which is one of the most well-known play-to-earn games, which was kind of like the poster child of play-to-earn games during the bull market. Um, if uh, you don't know what Axie is about, it's basically um, a game where you could breed, raise, and manage uh, a team of cute creatures called Axies. Uh, those are NFTs. And you could use them to battle other players um, or also play uh, PVE games, which are player versus environment games. And uh, by winning these battles, um, you could climb the ranked ladder and users could earn SLP, which was uh, the, uh, the in-game currency, uh, which is the smooth love potion. Um, and uh, also in order to breed new axes, uh, you needed um, some SLP and a fixed amount of AXS, which was uh, the Axie token. And uh, the biggest mistakes they did, in my opinion, was first of all, the tokenomics design had major flaws. So they engineered too much demand for SLP instead of creating a more balanced flow. Uh, more specifically, um, instead of rewarding only the most skilled players, they rewarded every battle won. Um, and that created, created huge inflation um, of the SLP token and also uh, um, inflation of uh, other in-game assets. Um, also, they weren't really uh, able to balance the asset prices, which created extremely high barriers to entry. So if we, talk, if we look at the average uh, price of an, of an Axie, at all-time high levels, one Axie costed approximately 180, $187. And um, to, to be able to play the game, you needed three axes. So the cost to enter the game was like $560, so quite high. And what the effect of that was, was it created a two-class system. So you had on the one hand, the lenders, which could afford the asset, but didn't really wanna, uh, wanna invest time playing. And then you had the scholars, um, which couldn't afford the assets, but uh, but played just for the earn aspect. So that was also an issue. Um, 
Also, what, uh, what I mentioned earlier with uh, the diversification of revenue stream, uh, the revenue stream of Axie was really not well diversified. So if we look at the $1.35 billion revenue, which Axie had from May 2021 uh, to 2022, a whole 85% came from breeding fees. So here you can see uh, the majority of revenue came from just one revenue stream, which is again, not very sustainable. And then lastly, um, the game dynamics were simply too predictable. So this is something also we work with our customers, uh, especially in play to earn games, uncertainty is really important. Uh, why? Because if the game is too predictable, uh, players will start exploiting it. Um, and in the case of Axie, the, uh, the way which you could earn these SLP tokens were simply too predictable. So it was not uh, um, unheard of that a single player would be using 20 plus accounts with multiple devices trying to game the system. And um, that's, uh, so that would, be, that would be some examples uh, with, with, uh, with a case study of um, Axie of what kind of went wrong there. Um, thank you so much for the answer, because even with such a famous project, if the tokenomics yeah, are, yeah. is not well thought through, people can take advantage of it and might even destroy the whole dynamics within the game. So it's, it's so important to have very well designed tokenomics. And then my next question would be, you know, maybe some of the projects uh, who is watching this video right now might be interested in asking, okay, how can they work with you guys? What are the steps? Usually, what are the that they can design tokenomics on their project site? Would they care? Would they need to be, you know, ready before taking on this uh, road with you guys? Mm -hmm. Well, um, Alexandris beforehand uh, gave a give a give a pretty uh, extensive and accurate overview of the approach we take, and uh, regarding uh, regarding working with us. Um, you can just uh, visit our website, um, uh, www.blockconsult.org, and uh, there you find all the information uh, about our company, the services we offer, as well as, um, as, well as more information about us. And um, you can simply just book a, a discovery call. Um, actually, each Tuesday, we have two hours blocked uh, just to talk to new projects and see how we can help. Um, so, uh, if you feel like you need help, uh, either with your existing, uh, tokenomics or with designing the tokenomics, there is no prior uh, work, which you need to do. Just book a discovery call and, uh, yeah, we look forward to working with you and, uh, and, uh, learning about what you're trying to build. Mm, okay. Um, we have one question from the audience is asking from your perspective, what are the core pillars needed to create an deflationary in-game token. Well, the, it's all the about main... balancing. Please. Go ahead. No, I was about to say that it's all about balancing out the emissions to how much you're burning away. And you really want to end up having more burn mechanisms than those creating the token, right? That's at the end the most important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so basically it's just like Alexander just said, it's just uh, 
if uh, you just want to create a net deflationary model, which you can do through burn mechanisms and uh, generally also just through creating incentive mechanisms uh, to incentivize stakeholders to keep the token in the ecosystem and not, uh, and not uh, create huge sell pressures. Mm, yeah. So it's, it's literally to balance the supply and demand. Um, mm -hmm. I have a follow-up question to before. You know, from our experience, when we talk to 400, 500 NFT projects, and many of them also want to open, they want to have play to learn game, um, the whole project design. But many times there are lots of elements missing. So I just want to ask from your point of view, somehow what are the key uh, fun fundamentals the project needs to be ready in order to move forward to design tokenomics etc like what are the common business mistake but for project owners they kind of need to get ready before they move on to the to those steps mm -hmm. well i would say i would say you just need to really have the fundamentals of your project clear uh, within, uh, so uh, the, the founder or the team needs to have a sit down and really has to have to ask themselves the hard questions. Uh, what is the aim of this project? Who are the stakeholders? Um, um, how, how, how should they interact with one another? And, um, and how can we create a tokenomics model uh, which, uh, of which fulfills uh, these, 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 these demands? Um, so so what's really important is just that the founder and the team uh, kind of answers the fundamental questions uh, and then moves, moves from there so that uh, you can always go back uh, once the tokenomics are done and after testing and see are those, are those, are those um, questions answered and are they fulfilled and uh, do we have a tokenomics model which uh, are in line with the vision of the project. Right. Um, I like your answer because I would say the same because recently I talked to a few projects and they want to launch, uh, <clears throat> they have a business, but they want to launch NFTs. But uh, at the end of the conversation, I still don't understand, like, if we were to help you as a marketing agency, I need to know what is your business goal, right? So I know what is our marketing goal. So why, why do you want to launch an NFT? What, what do you want to achieve at the end of the day? Sometimes um, project founders find it's a little bit struggling to answer this question because maybe it's a hype, maybe something nice to have. So coming back to your question, think for each of the project founders, think through like what, do you what you are doing and what is it. And then when you work with service providers like us, like Block Consult, it will be more effective for them to deliver like a solution for you that is going to help you to achieve. Yeah. So let's see if there are any other questions, questions coming from the audience. Um, would you guys, um, can you tell me your website again? I'm going to type it here and then so everybody can see it. Sure. It's uh, www.blockconsult.org. Uh, okay. Okay. So copy paste this to here. All right. So if you guys um, have, um, you know, either play to earn game or want to design tokenomics for your projects, feel free to reach out, book a free consultation call. And I hope uh, you, I, I'm not hoping like sure that you will get great value from it. So the section of the tokenomics in your white paper would be much more com comprehensive rather than just a take.
Um, any other advice or tips to the audience? Mm -hmm. um, no, like you said, um, I think we've we've covered we've covered uh, the, the basics of tokenomics from what it, what what, uh, what tokenomics uh, means and uh, what approaches need to be taken, how we approach it, and um, what the pitfalls are, uh, good and bad examples. And um, like Yassi said, um, you can just visit our website, uh, book a free consultation call, and uh, we're happy to uh, talk to you, uh, see what you're building, and see how we can help. Okay. Alex, something else, any words from your side? We're here to help regardless what stage you're in whether you're just have an idea and don't really know how to approach it, or you've already got something built and just want to improve it, you can contact us and we'll offer whatever help we can do. All right, that sounds good. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. And then uh, I really appreciate your time and the value information you are bringing on this platform to promote scale and to our audience. So hopefully that we get a chance to have this conversation again for our audience. And then uh, guys, um, thank you so much and then have a nice evening. Thank you for having us, Yasin. Yes. Thank you. Have a nice evening as well. Bye-bye.